Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, you are listening to episode number 148 of the Familypreneur podcast. I want to take a quick minute to thank you so much for joining us today, whether it's your first episode, welcome, or whether you are a longtime listener. I am so happy to have you with us today, and we've got a really great interview in store for you on today's Midweek Mastermind. Of course, we have three episodes a week. On Mondays, we talk about marketing. On Wednesdays, we have our Midweek Mastermind, where we interview either parent entrepreneurs or child entrepreneurs. And then on Friday, I offer some reflections, some Friday reflections. So today is a midweek mastermind, and I want to dive into introducing you to today's guests. They have specialized in helping couples transform their relationships for over 30 years. Now, they've been married for 36 years, and they bring both personal experience and clinical experience to their clients through innovative programs and intensive workshops, where they have guided thousands of couples to build lives they love with the ones they love. They are co-founders of the Couples Institute in Silicon Valley, where they help entrepreneurial couples better understand and overcome the unique challenges of managing a business and marriage simultaneously and successfully. I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Ellen Bader and Dr. Peter Pearson. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. It's good to be here, Meg. Thanks for the invite. Oh, I'm excited. I feel like our businesses just have this beautiful area of overlap, and I think you're going to bring a ton of value to the show talking about our marriages, which can suffer when we're building a business. Well, it, it actually takes teamwork to be successful in both arenas. Sure. Oh, and, and that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the acronym for team, uh, Meg, T-E-A-M, which is together, everyone accomplishes more. I do think I've heard that before, but I couldn't come up with it. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you spoke it out for us. Yeah. And it's so, it's so appropriate when you are in business and you work with your spouse, or if you have your own business, your spouse will be involved at some level, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. It's unavoidable, right? Totally. So I want to jump into, you told me something before the interview, you said that businesses and marriages tend to fail for the same three reasons. And that has been on my mind. I would love to know what those three reasons are. (laughs) I'll start with the one or two, and then Pete can take it away. But one of them is that people don't learn from experience. So instead of taking the experience and being able to turn it into a learning opportunity and build on it, sometimes they keep repeating the same patterns over and over again. 
that's especially true in marriage. You have the same darn fight over and over again. You don't learn a darn thing. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Uh, another one is that um, there's a failure to adapt to changing conditions. Okay. So, you know, in, in business, especially people who are uh, in Internet businesses or tech businesses, things are changing so fast all the time. And if there's not an ability to adapt, and the same is true with marriage. And then if, if couples are working together in the business, there's a, a, a constant need often for shifting of roles that needs to be figured out. How about if you do uh, little acquisitions in a marriage, you know, like have some kids. <laughs> you better be able to adapt and adjust. I mean, it, well, you have to, that's all. So how well you do it, though, is, is a key. And then the third one is a failure to anticipate probable future problems and take corrective action. Ooh, that makes sense, too. And, and probably some of the big ones are uh, Kodak. Kodak actually invented digital photography uh, before anybody else did it, but they really believed, no, paper pictures, that's what people still really want. And then <clears throat> their stock went from like $60 to bankruptcy. How, how about this one for not adapting? Blockbuster. If you, you remember Blockbuster Video? Yeah, we were talking to a former CEO of Blockbuster, <clears throat> only he wasn't there when when this when this happened. Netflix actually came to Blockbuster and said, would you buy us out for 50 million dollars? And the board on Blockbuster laughed them out of the room. Now look at them. Yeah, now look at where they both uh, are. Netflix, their market cap, I don't know, 30 billion dollars, something like that or more. Yeah. Um, so it's the failure to predict probable future problems and take action. So those are the three, whether you are in a family, you know, you got kids, we got to make some adjustments and right. let's try to anticipate them, take some action. Now I'd love to know for you guys, did you start your business before or after you had your kids? So we started our business uh, two years before our daughter, our mutual daughter was born. We have actually four daughters. We have two stepdaughters that were from Pete's first marriage. We have our own biological daughter and we have an adopted Kenyan daughter. So we, two, two of the kids were here and two were not. <laughs> so you had a lot of adjustments. Adjustments. So a lot of adjustments with that. Well, I love that we also have four daughters over at my house. <laughs> so now I feel that extra bonding with you guys. <laughs> yeah, you don't meet too many people who have four girls. Right? I have a friend, too, who has four boys. I'm like total opposite. <laughs> so with your kids, at what point did they start coming into the business? Like, how old were they when they started getting active with you guys? Well, it's kind of interesting. Molly, the daughter that Ellen and I have, <clears throat> when she graduated from college, uh, she did not have a job and she did not have a place to live. So as a transition, she lived with us and she did some work in our business. And maybe it was about two months later, Molly, it, it was not working out so great. And Molly said, all right, 
I can be your daughter. I can live at home. I can work for you. Pick two. <laughs> but your question is a good one because actually she, you know, when she was growing up, she did some small pieces of work for us. Um, she certainly saw us being in business together and she would, you know, do projects or things like that. Then like Pete described, she did some work again when, um, she was first out of college. Then she, for a while, she decided to do her own business. Uh, so she was making jewelry for a while and running her own jewelry business. Then she moved on to actually becoming, and now she's a marketer and a copywriter. And recently she came back into our business. And I, she and I have been interviewing some entrepreneur couples together lately. And I, she said, she said to them, uh, somebody who asked her a similar question, she said, I had to be the one to say I wanted back in before I've really been all in. And now she's kind of really all in. But before that, I would say she saw herself more as like doing projects and probably more because she needed the money. Right. That's interesting. So there was some sort of a, a switch that once she requested to come back in, there was more commitment. Yeah, yeah commitment. a lot more commitment. And I think the uh, request had to come from her. Right. Not not being, I don't want to say pushy, because I'm sure you weren't pushy, but <laughs> not yeah. encouraging her to do it, but yeah. letting her come to her own understanding. Yeah. And it sounds like she dipped her toes in lots of different ponds and had a lot of pivots, like most of us do, from right. one idea to another. Yeah, she's also a yoga teacher. Oh, so she's still multi-passionate. She is very, and she, so, you know, she works for us now about 15 hours a week and she has her own other things that she does in her own business. Um, And actually Pete's younger daughter, my stepdaughter, Tammy also works in our business now. Okay. And um, she also doesn't work full time. She's a nurse and she does nursing part time and she's doing project management for us. And she also approached us as wanting to come into the business. So um, it's been a delight having her work with us. She's been working with us now for about three or four years. Yeah. I really value their skills. Mm -hmm. And it really has made also a better connection, uh, parent-child connection. That's one of my favorite parts. My kids are still very young, but when I can... So did you say that all four of your kids were involved in entrepreneurial things? It's just that two of them are working with you or? No. So the very oldest one, it lives in Chicago. She's a nurse. She's not really doing, not, I wouldn't call her an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, then I told you about the two others. And then our Kenyan daughter is in college in Kenya. And okay. so she's, she does little tiny things like every now, like right now she's creating some Facebook memes for us. But when she gets out of college, I don't know what she'll do. She's kind of in a place where she's figuring that out. That's still exciting though. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I'm sure whatever she decides to do, she'll be off to great things. We hope so. Yeah. So I want to go back to those three reasons that businesses and marriages fail. What are some of the things that we can do to prevent those things from happening. Oh, I was going to do the, you want to do the candor? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, and then Pete can build on it, but, you know, we've been working in Silicon Valley with couples for 
the last 30 years. And over that time, we've really synthesized six basic skills or skill sets that make for a really strong marriage when in an entrepreneur's marriage. And so we can talk about any of those six that you want to, but I think you mentioned to us at the beginning that a lot of your listeners are newly in business together are newly building businesses. And one of the things that I love is when we get to work with some of the newer, younger people because they can get it right to begin with. They're not going back and having to rebuild when they've had some really negative patterns. Sure. So can you tell me, does CANDOR, is that an acronym? It, oh, there, yes, it is. And actually, here's the thing, Meg, which is uh, the skills that really make for success as, a, as an entrepreneur, the skills we have in the candor blueprint are, will actually make your marriage stronger as well. <clears throat> so in a sense, you don't have to learn a lot of new things to make your marriage stronger and work as a team, because if you're a sex, successful entrepreneur, you already are doing these. So it's really applying a skill set from business to your marriage. I love that. I feel like there's so many things along this journey that I've experienced that I've learned that they do apply to our home life. So it's like I'm taking yeah. these business lessons and applying them with things as simple as goal setting. Totally. Totally. Setting family goals, just like I set my business goals. Right. Here, do you want me to run through what the six are? Sure. And then we can talk about any that you want to, but uh, the C stands for commitment, and we help couples look at what is their commitment to each other and also what is their commitment to the business, and those could be very different. So the C stands for commitment. A is for appreciation and acknowledgement. Keeping that flowing really in an ongoing way is pretty crucial in both arenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, N is negotiation, and we think there's some specific things, especially for couples, some things that people do that don't work, and then some things that they can do that make their negotiation skills a whole lot stronger. Uh, There's a process of decision-making that we teach couples that makes a difference. The O is for ownership and has to do with really being accountable, accountable for uh, what you say you're going to do, but also accountable for your triggers and realize and what you do that triggers your partner as well. So that's the O and the R stands for roles and, and responsibilities and being clear specifically about the roles that you're going to fulfill at home and in the business and the responsibilities of those roles. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like I need to chew on that. <laughs> I like how you, I'm glad that you explained it all out because I feel like at first glance, when you said ownership, I didn't think of it at, like I didn't, I needed that explanation to understand how that applied. I was thinking of, you know, I own this as opposed to owning your emotions, your reactions, your decisions, things like that. Do you think these can also be applied to how we interact with our kids? Totally, totally. Totally. And especially as a family, here's the A in the candor, which has to do with appreciation and acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, imagine what happens 
if you stop acknowledging or appreciating or communicating with your best customers, and the only reason, the only time you talk to them, communicate with them, is when you want to, them to buy something more from you. And that's it. With no other communication, no appreciation, no acknowledgement of how or why you value them, how you can be of better service, et cetera, et cetera. Your best customers will start dropping off if there's no appreciation, no communication. And the same is true in a marriage. Uh, what happens if you stop appreciating each other? Uh, that, what if you stop appreciating what you love, value, respect with your partner? And how about with kids and kids toward parents as well? To learn the habit of appreciation. I'll give you an extreme example of acknowledgement and appreciation. In 1903, Pierre Curie, husband of Madame Curie, Pierre Curie was contacted by the Nobel Prize Committee and said, you have won the Nobel Prize in your field. And he went, whoa. And then he said, now, of course, you're going to give a prize to my wife as well, because she was equally important in my discoveries. And they said, no, it's just going to you. He wrote back to the committee and he said, if you do not give my wife a Nobel Prize as well, I refuse to accept what you offer. The committee budged and Madame Curie was the first woman to get the Nobel Prize. She also won a second Nobel Prize in a different field. Uh, but talk about being committed, acknowledging the importance of what your spouse does, that you're willing to turn down a Nobel Prize unless she is included. How powerful is that? Yeah, I don't I didn't know that story. That's a crazy story. Isn't it? I feel like it's it's very like brave, you know, like it's, yeah, um, he, he stood up for his convictions, all right. And commitments. You know, they were committed. Um, sure. <clears throat> I have your back and you have my back. So what Ellen and I do is that we encourage couples every day for 14 consecutive days or 21 to build in a habit. Every day, say something to your partner that expresses how you love, value, appreciate, or respect them. It can be words. It can be deeds, bringing them coffee, washing their car, send them a text message, whatever it is. But every day, it gets your attention focused on what you appreciate and practice expressing it and start to build that in as a habit. And that's a great one to include the kids too. Yeah. We just read the love languages book. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of what it, that reminds me of too, that, that acknowledgements is understanding how they want to be acknowledged. Totally. Because too many couples, unfortunately, practice the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that works if you're lucky in a marriage. I like a lot of verbal appreciation and strokes. Ellen likes acts of service. I go around telling her she's great. She goes around doing things. And for a long time, we were just missing each other. Yeah. I, I was talking to an entrepreneur that I know, and I love what he did with his kids, which because he's got four kids also. And they all sat down and got to understand what each other's love languages are. 
And now when it's one kid's birthday, all the other kids are supposed to give that kid something for their birthday that's in that child's love language. Oh, that's such an awesome idea. So instead of like, you know, you know, if it's acts of service, then they, they give them something where they're going to do something for them. Oh, I love that idea. And I know that there's a kid's book on the love languages, like love languages for, for kids or teens, or I, I'd have to Google it. But I almost, I don't know if you even need that. If you have like the main book, you could probably figure it out. That's a great idea. I love that. It's early training for kids, you know, to, to pay attention to what the other one wants, not projecting what you want onto them. And that's a big focus of where this podcast came from, right? It's trying to empower our kids just to be better equipped than we were. Well, see, in the same way, Meg, it's like we, we try to figure out what do our customers really want and how can we make right. that happen? So in a sense, you know, if you want to generalize, we're trying to figure out the love language of our customers. Sure. Yeah, from a business standpoint. From a business standpoint, exactly. Well, another thing that's a good carryover, I think, is that um, kids really flourish when they get special time with their parents and with, you know, each parent. And it's not and – and the kids get to kind of say, hey, this is what I want to do in this special time. And when adults are completely immersed in business – it's nice if they have something in their week that they step out of business and do something that says, okay, this is couple time or this is special time that acknowledges that they're more than business partners. No, I, I think that that's really important too. And it's something that is tough when you've got four kids. <laughs> I feel yeah. like even doing one a week can be really difficult, but it is important to, yep. to find that time and they appreciate it and it like resets them. Like we can see like my kids, my oldest especially, will start to get like angsty until she gets her one-on-one time and then it just resets something inside of her. Yep, definitely. So can you, can we go back? So can you tell me a little bit more about negotiating? Can you remind me of what that is again? Because I feel like that's one where I had a little question mark that popped up in my head. Yeah, uh, Here's what's interesting. When when couples negotiate, the two most common mistakes that couples make when they negotiate is one will push too hard, too much for what they want at the expense of the other one. And what they want is their way. So they push too hard. They call it a negotiation, but they just push too hard. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is it's the other side. We cave in too quickly to keep the peace. Yeah. And so we don't assert ourselves. We don't define ourselves and we just give in. And those are the two most common negotiating mistakes, but we actually have Ellen and I a four page outline that teaches couples how to negotiate, how to prepare for negotiation, how to actually go through a process of negotiation and how to inquire so that when you, after you do a lot of inquiring, like if I was married to you, I'd say, so Meg, what, what are your concerns? What are your interests about dot, dot, dot? And why are those important? And what happens if you get those? And so I would be really curious about all your concerns and interests. And then you would do the same to me. And then I would say, so based on 
what's important to you on this issue, I suggest as an experiment, and do it as an experiment for a period of time, and not like you got to lock in forever. I would suggest X, and I think X could work for you, Meg, because this is what I heard you say, and X could work for me. Now I have to include myself if I cave in too quick. So now I have to include myself. If I say it could work for you, it keeps me from pushing too hard for just what I want. And then you would say, well, I like this part and that part. I'm not so crazy about this part. And then you say, well, Pete, here's what I suggest, and it works for you because dot, dot, and it also works for me because, and then we keep tweaking it. Right, and and I like that approach you know, it's, it's compromising, but it's ensuring that you each have equal say. Right. It reminds me, it reminds me of like just needing to understand the why, you know, people talk about the why in business all the time. I love that, that book, Simon Sinek starts with why I couldn't think of what it was called. It's so obvious, but it's kind of that concept of understanding the why behind why people want to exactly. do Exactly. You know, and the other thing that's really, and always interesting to me is that um, often when I'm sitting with a couple and they don't realize on a particular issue what they agree about and what they don't agree about. And so they don't even know what they're negotiating. I had a, I had a couple in last week for a two-day intensive and they were talking about whether or not selling their business essentially. Mm-hmm. And it turned, I mean, and they thought they had this huge conflict around it. Well, the reality is that they both want to sell the business. He just wants to do it in three to five years, and she wants to do it in five to seven years. And they weren't, like, really realizing what what's the area that they're negotiating and how does that change. And once they realized what they were negotiating, it became a much easier negotiation. And part of that was, let's let's get down on the blackboard here. What are the things you agree on? before we start negotiating what you don't agree on. Right. And it makes that whole process easier. And I think, I mean, when you were talking about those negotiation mistakes, I know exactly which one is me and I know exactly which one is my husband. Which one is you? Do you mind saying? Yeah, I don't care. I'm the pushy one. Like I want things my way. And we're at a point now where I don't have to fight that hard, <laughs> but I can, I like this approach because I also, at the same time, I'm not heartless. Like I don't want him to be miserable. So it's like, I want my way, but I don't want him to be miserable. I don't know a better word. Well, you Um, don't want him to end up going into resentful compliance. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it was just interesting to hear it and go, Oh gosh, that's my house. He's describing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very common. It's it's really, really, really common. And one of the reasons that, I mean, Ellen does does these two-day intensives, but it gives couples a chance to go deeper and deeper into what are the all the whys around the different issues, which mm-hmm. you often can't get to in just like one hour. Right. Uh, and sometimes you really do need to get away so you can go deeper and really take a look at what needs to be upgraded, you know, in the way that you're working together or living together. And then you said you make like micro adjustments so that yeah. they get you to making those adjustments and then they stick and it changes. Yeah. That's exactly right. 
So since we need to start wrapping up, where can people learn more about the other four parts of candor? So um, a couple of things. One is we've got a thing called the candor blue uh, solution, which is really a blueprint that people can download and read about all six. And we're putting that up on a page at couplesinstitute.com forward slash familypreneur. So that if they hear about it through your podcast, they can come and download a copy of that, which will go into each of the six in more details. If people want to work with us, we'll do like a shorter consultation, which is about two to three hours, which helps them look at which areas would make the most difference for them. Or like Pete said, I, I do. I love doing these two-day intensives where couples come in and they do something on each of the six so that they're really laying a very strong foundation. And one of the one of the best ones in there I think is the decision making process. And there's a description of three types of decisions in that blueprint and some good stories about how to use it or how people are able to use different aspects of that. I find that's one thing that people can put to work immediately that starts to make a real difference for them. Yeah. Right. And that's in the blueprint? Uh, for right and now, yeah. We, we live uh, south of San Francisco, about 30 then? miles. Okay. Well, good. So I think that that would be helpful, especially if people are listening right. and they're in that area, that might be an extra motivation to look right. more into and that. And if they want to do the shorter or consultation, we can to do visit that on San, Zoom, like we're talking to you on right now. Awesome. Awesome. And we will put the links uh, in the show notes. So if anybody wants to visit that way and you didn't get a chance to write down the URL because you're driving or working out or doing something amazing, you can head back to the show notes and we will put those links in there as well. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And I loved learning about number one, your family and how you've involved your kids. And number two, I love the candor acronym. And (laughs) you can download the blueprint and the negotiation sequence. Probably will download the blueprint. Uh, you got, you'll get a lot of stuff to sink your teeth into. There you go. You're welcome, Meg. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the invite and keep up your good awesome. work. Well, thank you yeah, guys so really much. What you're doing for the kids and the families. So. Thank you. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrenson.com slash 140. Eight. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you now to go and hit that subscribe button so that you do not miss another episode. And we will be back with three episodes every week, Marketing Mondays, Midweek Masterminds on Wednesdays, and Friday Reflections. Until next time, have a great one. Bye for now. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.